Christianity is, I mean, basically like the colonizer's religion. And that's something that I don't hear enough people talking about. And I think that maybe there's like layers of woke <laughs> that like people are, <laughs> I don't know, like there's people who are Christians because they were raised that way and it makes them good people. But then there's also like people who have thought about it long enough and been like, well, why should, I mean, I'm, I'm Latino. And so it's a similar thing too. It's like Spaniards came to South America. I was born in Venezuela. Spaniards came to South America and colonized our people. And then now we're supposed to be super Catholic. And then, so the same thing, it's like Europeans enslaved all of these people in Africa brought them somewhere else. And then it's like, yeah, you're Christians too now. And I don't think that <laughs> uh, I appreciate your perspective in that you're, you're looking into everything. Uh, I find it super curious that uh, where that kind of opens into Islam and how that sort of works with your, your Christian background yeah yeah man well um not, and everything you just said 100% spot on and I also appreciate um you know so you can relate to coming from a bloodline that has been colonized you know it has been invaded and had to and the, and the ramifications that come with that I saw studies where the the genetics can get crazy like we can still have trauma uh, in us currently from what our ancestors have gone through. Um, yeah, there's a huge resiliency that can come from being from that bloodline too. It's like to have to be here now, you know, on top of the Gary V thing where it's like, yeah, you're that one lucky sperm that made it out of like all the other ones. Mm -hmm. You're also like the one, you know, uh, one of the, the strong descendants that made it from a bloodline that came from what it came from. Um, but so, yeah, man. Um, I guess to touch specifically on the Islam part, um, so I have a friend. Uh, hopefully, the government does not start tracking us <laughs> for me dropping his name, but uh, <laughs> I'll just say his first name. He hasn't done anything crazy, but he's just he's very fearful of the government. Actually, I'll just say his initial because he's extremely fearful because um, he, he 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 drops a lot of truth bombs. He drops a lot of truth bombs on me. And um, he helped me kind of like look at a lot of things differently. So he talks a lot about like black heritage and how black people, the African uh, 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 this, uh, ancestors really kind of had how they spread out to the world. And so I have a really huge connection with Japan. And so he kind of broke down how he broke down some crazy stuff. Right. And one of the truth bombs before I jump into the Islam part was um, him talking about how the uh, there's a figure called Sambo. and um, how that's how Sambo actually became, I guess, like a figure in Asia, slash was like a leader or a black person that went to Asia and had a huge influence and then um was like looked at it kind of in a kingly way and had a lot of ancestors, uh descendants that came from him. Um and how basically a lot of I guess you could say deities slash entities in a lot of Asian cultures kind of come from um, the Sambo figure. Um, and then he said, when you go to Japan, like, look at the, some of the statues they got and, like, peep what's going on. You're going to be surprised. So I went there. I've never seen this before, Santiago. But, uh, 
they had like these huge black Buddha statues, like in uh in Nara, which is like in the west part of Japan. Um we were out there, and uh, you know, they have a bunch of temples, but they had there's the first place I went to was kind of a smaller one, and I thought maybe because they said no no pictures allowed. Please do not take pictures. So I thought maybe they didn't want people to know about this or something. But I go in and they had this enormous black Buddha statue. Like the whole thing is just completely black, the face, everything. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And then I found other places that would allow pictures. And um, I think uh some of those are on my computer. But anyway. So he drops a lot of truth bombs on me like that, how a lot of um, like black samurais and things like that shows me a lot of pictures of, uh, of Asian people who came from uh, uh, black ancestors and things like that. And he'll show me pictures of the black ancestors with like the Asian kind of features and different things. You know, they might have like the, the, the eyes like a certain way, but then their hair is like real kinky or kinkly, whatever. And so one of the things he was talking to me a lot about was, um, was his interpretation of Islam. And the only thing about him is a lot of stuff where it's like, it's crazy, man, because in America, and I think this is kind of where you get kind of that Islamophobia from, which yeah. I don't think is justified, but I think this is where it comes from, um, is the nation of Islam. I don't know, are you familiar with the nation of Islam? Uh, I guess not necessarily in in what okay. way do you are you referring? Nation of Islam. So it's different from traditional Islam. Traditional Islam is just um, what's taught uh, from the Quran and is typically associated with folks who may have come from the Middle East. Mm. Nation of Islam was started in America. Um, so Nation of Islam focuses on, um, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this because there's still some things I'm unsure about, but Nation of Islam um, it comes from the belief that God came in the form of a man, and then that, that, that man's name was W.D. Fard Muhammad. This is what they believe. I'm not saying this is what I believe. This is just what they see. And then they, they believe that this was God in human form, and then he was very fair-skinned, uh, with like kind of like straight hair, but he was a black man. And, uh, <clears throat> and then he arrived... And then he taught Elijah Muhammad, young Elijah Muhammad, everything that he knew and said he was the he was the messenger and he was like the chosen one, gave him all the game. And then Elijah Muhammad, with this new purpose, said, I, I am the I'm the messenger. I'm here to save the black man, et cetera. And so he had his his vision that he gave um, to many, many American black men and said, we are the nation of Islam, uh, and we're, we're here to save you from America, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, a lot of that, there's a lot of talking that where they say, and this is kind of where Malcolm X kind of gets connected too, because he, 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 he found Elijah Muhammad, right? And so there's a lot of talk about, um, uh, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, I don't want to say anti-whiteness, but it's a lot of uh, like, oh, white devil this, white devil that. There's a lot of that in there. And then Malcolm X, of course, had his awakening. He went to Mecca and he was like, well, there's Muslims of all colors. It's not about skin color. It's about what your heart is at and and, and what Allah wants for you, et cetera. So then he, he really didn't 
at that point meshed with, with uh, Nation of Islam talked about. Oh, so this me. is the thing. Oh, bless you, bless you. Um, so my 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 friend um, who gave me who gives me these truth bombs, D, um, he is 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 very much a Nation of Islam guy. His that's very much what he does. It's very much his thing. I think he was kind of trying to open my eyes up to that. He definitely opened me up to the concept of Islam for sure. And that made me curious and it made me go study a little bit more. But I don't know if I could fully go nation of Islam. Some of the stuff Elijah Muhammad talks about is really dope, like his viewpoint on dieting and things. But some of this stuff, when I look at the Malcolm X's epiphany, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I 100% myself and one to be like white devil this white devil that because I just don't know I, I got I got I have a lot of white friends who are like some of my best friends are, are Caucasian you know um, my baptism I had like my out of nowhere like my whole extended Italian family came out from my you know what I mean so I just don't feel, I don't feel comfortable being like white devil this white devil that you know again with any race color creed you got bad people you got good people so. I don't like lumping people into categories like that. But that's kind of how I found it, man, was him dropping those truth bombs. And then it kind of made me think, okay. And then uh, back to kind of add more context, years ago, like uh, in high school, that's where I first was like, I want to learn more about Islam. So I bought a Quran. I didn't really read it that much. And then 2014, uh, 15, I try to get back into it a little bit and I found like a really um what's the word? A very I, I felt it felt very powerful to do the prayers five times a day. Um I wasn't doing them like how I was talking about earlier with the rug and everything, but I pray five times a day. And it just made me feel very powerful. Um this might just be my imagination, who knows, but like with, with Christianity, I feel like it's very much spiritual but some people refer to that as what they call uh spooky um <laughs> like ghosts and spirits and things that you can't see demons flying around angels and stuff like that which is awesome in my mind too i like that that to envision that kind of stuff but i feel like islam when i prayed and was following that mindset and have been following that mindset it really is more like physical, where it's like the spirit is really in you. And I, I, I felt like, I don't, it's hard to explain it, man, Santiago, but um, I, I, it made me feel very uh, powerful. It made me feel very strong and like I was able to take care of myself. And so I feel like uh, some of the folks that I know that are, that are Muslim or, or practice Islam, uh, some of them, they seem like really strong people. Like they, they, they have this sense of confidence. They, they, they have this sense of like um, self-assuredness. Like they're able to take care of themselves. Uh, versus when I see folks, like and I, you know, obviously my whole family is Christian. It's like they, they'll feel self-assured in a different way. Like, oh yeah, God will take care of me. So, so they kind of lean back and let everything kind of happen around them. And so I'm more of like a I want to take care of this myself kind of guy. So. That's where I kind of like the feeling that I get from um, uh, what I've experienced with Islam versus what I've experienced with Christianity. Though I do see a lot of value in both. 
yeah. personally. So. I actually see that that's a very interesting perspective. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't really looked enough into Islam to kind of know enough. I know enough that, I mean, so I don't know, probably maybe five or six years ago, I, I, I was raised Catholic and I fell out of religion. Uh, and so I kind of went into this like radical atheist phase for a little bit there. Uh, I'm still like, I guess you can consider me an atheist, but not so much in the term that I, I'll like, you know, yell at people for any sort of religion or anything sort of that. And I feel like that is not going to help anything. And so, uh, but um, I think that it does create an inter interesting perspective because I can really see where that line is. And people in, in black culture a lot talk about the differences between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and especially how Malcolm X was Nation of Islam and how Martin Luther King was very Christian. And so like that difference yeah. between like we we pray for a future and we we – fight peacefully whereas Malcolm X was a bit more like no we we have to fight and do this thing ourselves and I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense from from that perspective especially through the the religious perspective um something that I I personally you know since being an atheist I kind of have a problem with kind of religion in general but it's like mm -hmm. I, I do find that Islam does in in some ways like I understand where it can be helpful to have that kind of grounding a very strong belief but it does seem like it, it's it's it can be so strong that it kind of allows itself to be misconstrued or perceived as like well we can do these sort of violent acts to justify whatever it is that we're fighting for and so that, that is kind of where you get to extremist islam and jihad and all that sort of stuff which is like yeah that's in there but it's like it's how you're interpreting it into the real world and so it's like it is hard to kind of look at islam in in kind of the whole perspective and i feel like maybe people don't get a full view of what islam is because we get just like this extreme terrorist side and then we get like I don't know the the Malcolm X side, but we we don't really get to see the the peace and poetry that is really in there that I know is in there from from what I've seen. But it's like it because it's so kind of strong, and maybe that does have to do something with uh, the fact that like I mean I guess Islam originated in the Middle East, and so it's like it's super hard to like live as a people of God in the desert or in these tough environments that you kind of have to like set these hard rules to live by in order to kind of separate yourself. That's kind of something that, that occurs in a lot of Abrahamic religions is that like, we are a, a nation set aside by like, by God and we are commanded to do these things. And so that's kind of where the old Testament gives us like, these are the rules that you have to follow. And if you follow this, you're a person of God. And it, if you, and kind of the way that I look at it 
from a perspective outside of religion is kind of more of like a, a pragmatic sort of point of view. And so, so it's like, yeah, if you, if you do these things and you work together as this sort of community, you, you are able to survive in these sort of harsh environments. But then once we kind of have society get to a point to where we're kind of beyond these sort of harsh environments or these harsh divisions that might have been necessary to survive back then, then it sort of starts creating divisions where there might not be any actual divisions. And so, I don't know, it does seem like religion, whereas whether it be Christianity, whether it be Islam or it be uh, even Buddhism or something, because there are people that can misinterpret Buddhism as well. But like, mm-hmm. sometimes it does kind of create a a boogeyman to be fighting against. And if we are the ones who are deciding who that boogeyman is, it does start to create some problems. And so, kind of like you, what you were saying about Nation of Islam, uh, yeah, Nation of Islam being like. Yeah, white devil, white devil. Here's here's our boogeyman. Here's the person that we're gonna rail after, and our actions might be justified. And obviously, there is some strength in kind of having that uh, that ability to fight back or that duty to fight back, even. But once you get past a certain point, it does start to get a little scary. And I feel like that's probably where that perspective outside looking into Islam can be like, ooh, like it looks beautiful in some ways, but it also looks really scary. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, um, that whole boogeyman thing for sure, you know, that's um, a problem. I think it's like, why, why, why are we afraid of something we can't see? Um, I think um, the whole phrase heaven on earth, um, ye who are of God's, I think that's all true. I think heaven is can be on earth. I think we do experience heaven on earth when we're in like a flow state, when we're in a higher frequency. Uh, I think we experience hell on earth when we're in a low frequency, uh, you know, or, you know, if, if you're in a scenario where a bunch of bad things are happening around you, that could be hell on earth versus when you're in a good uh, area or place everything's real prosperous uh, that could be heaven on earth but heaven on earth doesn't always have to be <clears throat> you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be like in singapore where everything is just built perfectly and everything is nice and the streets are clean it could be in the middle of africa where you know and i gotta say this too we just seem like out there it's kind of like tear jerkingly beautiful how much they're happy with just really simple things like these, these kids will just find like a little puddle of water and just start playing in it just because there's nothing else to do and they have so much fun <laughs> just playing in this little puddle of water and just splashing each other it's not like a bunch of iphones influencing everything that they do with advertisements and social media but anyway i guess um i i do agree with you i feel like for anyone who's atheist you know i really respect it when and it's not like you're, you're you fit in this i guess you could say category um when they're really stu- uh, 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 studied, when they, when they know the the background, when they know the different religions, at least to some extent, they're familiar with how things are kind of rocking. So I do agree that 
sometimes it can be almost a barrier when it's like, okay, this is, I'm doing everything like this way to an extent, um, you know, it can be, um, it could be, as you said, misinterpreted to do wrong. I, you know, uh, sometimes you be at church and then someone's like, you know, God tell me to tell you that those shoes do not match with your outfit. And it's like, man, God didn't tell you this. This is you. You just, you know what I mean? Uh, now, I, I've seen people who do really follow the Bible, like super duper strict. And they might not have like, you know, big house, big mansion, whatever, all the material things that we think are, that a lot of us associate with, with, with success, but they're happy. You know, some of them are really, super happy they have super simple lives and they don't have a lot of noise going on to make them an outside influence to make them really feel like okay i have to do x y and z all the time uh, i'm not successful if i don't achieve this and then achieve that it's like they're happy just being a helpful person you know helping people in need um being able to get by take care of their bills put food on the table and that's it so i think you know w- when you're able to follow it to where you're able to create like a simple life and you feel like you're fulfilling what's needed of you as a practitioner of this religion, that religion. I do see people who really um, have a really simple kind of peaceful life. And that's, that's awesome. I feel like Um, at the same time, like my friend, Alex, um, he's also an atheist. Um, He's very knowledgeable about religion. He's very, very knowledgeable. He knows Islam, he knows Christianity and all this stuff. So he believes in God, but he doesn't necessarily subscribe to one way. So that's why he considers himself like atheist, but he does believe in God and the universe and things. Um, I guess I say that to say, I feel like religion and science are very much connected, as as weird as that might sound. I feel like science can really explain a lot of crazy phenomena like you know uh in the south like in texas they call like when they have these crazy thunderstorms and it's, i don't know if you've been to texas or the south but uh man like they got these crazy like lightning storms where it just spreads across the whole sky it's like a flower of lightning and they'll say oh, that's god working you know and it, it might be god working he might be doing this thing um but they might have came from back when they, they might have not known how lightning worked and clouds and different stimulus stimuli for this kind of phenomenon to occur. Now we have different words where we know, okay, negative, positive, electron, sky, ground, boom, you know? And so I do feel like a lot of science kind of explains religion in a lot of ways, but then too, I do feel like there are some spiritual things, um, even religious things that, I think at least for me, kind of filling those gaps of like the unknown. And so I think just me personally, I do feel like there's not necessarily a wrong way. Um, I, I think the big thing is to not knock anybody. Like if somebody's like, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, hey, I might not want to go to church with you, but you know, we could be friends, you know, uh, versus, uh, you know. But the other thing too is like, if somebody's like, hey, man, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a, you know, what orthodox jewish person or whatever come to this thing man or i think the big one is scientologists and like dianetics and all that like where they're like yo come watch this movie i don't know if they do that in your city but uh 
they they'll do that in Seattle. Um, not since COVID, but they had these things. There'd be a guy downtown with a crazy looking suit. Hey, you know, come on, you want to watch the movie? And be like, all right, go watch the movie. Don't watch, don't go watch the movie. If you're downtown Seattle, <laughs> you see a weird looking guy with a suit on. He's gonna hand you. Well, come watch. No, don't don't go watch the movie, man. I'm telling you right now, it's a scam. Uh, when you go there, you watch this really weird movie. It makes no sense. And you come out, and you're in this. It looked like a laboratory, man. They're gonna probably come after me for saying this, but it looked like a uh, like a like like Star Trek or something. Like it looked like there's like little tubes that could hold life in them and stuff. I don't know what's going on down there, man. It's super weird. And then the kid comes with a book. Like, you gotta buy this book, man. The Dianetics it's gonna change your life. It's really Scientology. And, uh, you know, I just told the dude straight up, like, nah, you know, and, um, he kept trying to push you. Come on, I'm not trying to hard sell you, but you got to get this book, man. And I just, I just had to just walk out, you know, and um, so stuff like that, trying to really press people in the positions they don't want to be in. I think that's where it kind of gets bad. I think as long as we can all be able to have a dialogue and, you know, sometimes you wouldn't agree to disagree, but. You know, I, I, I think that as long as you can do that, you're, you know, you're good. So I'll, I'll never knock somebody for their religion as long as you're not trying to force people, as long as you're not hurting people. You know, again, good and bad, like in every group, you know, one thing I wanted to say, too, like with Christianity specifically, right, it's like you got people like Dylan Roof, who was a Christian, uh, from what I understand, I could be totally off base, but I'm pretty sure he was a Christian, obviously, you see what happened. A lot of clan members are Christians, right? Ku Klux Klan members and stuff. Um, but then on the on the flip side, you got people like um, the pastor emeritus of my uh, my church, um, my Christian church, um, Doctor Reverend Doctor Samuel Barry McKinney. Really good dude. He passed away a couple years ago. God rest his soul. And um, but he was a very big figure. He helped a lot of people, especially a lot of black people in Seattle. He used to march with Martin Luther King back in the day. Um, he had man. He had he he motivated a lot of people to do a lot of good things. He would have us march all over the place to get things done in Seattle. He actually got a street named after him in Seattle now. Uh, and so that's just it's just good and bad and everything. It's just what part of the spectrum are you going to be on? But you know, God didn't tell anybody to shoot anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't personally think maybe like in self defense, and that's a whole other thing, but. You know, and even then, it's like, I think that's just like, okay, hey, I'm getting robbed. There's a guy in my house with a knife. And at a certain point, I think maybe it's just common sense that if you are a believer in owning a firearm, okay, cool. Do what you got to do versus, you know, going to a church with like a weapon that was designed to kill multiple people and being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, God told me this is what I need to do. That's, uh, I, I never think that's that's the case. Yeah. I have several thoughts on that and so uh like i've been trying to keep track of it because uh i like what you're saying uh something that i think that science is really good at interpreting what we see and so we yeah like what you were saying about like thunder and stuff like yeah we we were able to figure out that like this is what's going on this is how lightning works this is all all that sort of stuff but what science sort of lacks is the the poetry and the kind of the the spirit the energy in a way and like i'm not quite so rigid 
in being like a scientist or whatever, but it, I think it is important to kind of appreciate the, the wonder that there is to be in, in life and experience and all that sort of stuff. And so it's like, while you can appreciate science for what it does to, to how we can interpret what we're experiencing, the rest of how you live your life or anything else outside of that is kind of not really covered by science. And so I I do think that, I mean, I'm very spiritual, but not religious. And what that means to me is that like, there are things about science and the universe that you can look at and kind of derive some sort of connection, some sort of spiritual connection between everything. And so it's like kind of looking at it like we are the universe and all of these things that are around us are connected to us. And there's aspects of that in religions anyways, but you can use the scientific perspective to kind of come back to that sort of interconnectedness sort of thing and you can use like poetry and music and everything else to be connected with all of that too um another thing that i wanted to uh talk about is uh okay sorry i'm trying to keep track of my thoughts (laughs) but uh the Yeah, so it it does seem like a lot of religions focus on what you were saying about how, like, there are some people who, like, follow religion, like, very strictly to a T, and they end up being, like, super happy uh, because I I think that there's something about when – whenever you kind of let go of the – complexity of the world that's kind of why um buddhism and meditation and stuff like that is kind of so rewarding uh in the same way that like whenever you you do the five prayers a day through islam is that like you're stripping away all of the complexity and all of the uh noise that comes at you through everyday life and through society and stuff and so kind of by having some sort of religious texts, whether it be Buddhist or uh, Christian or Islam, it can be like, here's just an outline for your life that if you follow this, you don't have to worry or stress about the the noise that comes in your everyday life. And you can just follow this and let go. And there's something about kind of every religion that is like this letting go of the self and reaching some sort of greater purpose and that kind of kills the noise a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that kind of peace is very significant in the sort of religious experience. And it does seem like not a lot of – I mean I feel like a lot of the – angry atheists get to a point to where like any sort of conversation that reaches this point is like, ah, you're just being 
you know, you're as crazy as all the religious people or something. But there is, it does seem to be a common trend in religion that like finding a sort of peace is something that can help with the, I don't know, the process of life. Um, okay. So the last thing I want to say, uh, on that is that, or that you made me think about, do you know about Afrofuturism? I do not. Okay. So Afrofuturism mm -mm. is, uh, it's kind of a, a subculture, if you will, that is, it, it's sort of like taking science fiction and, what I guess Afro culture would have been had black people not been enslaved. And so if, if you look wow. at, <laughs> if you look at like black Panther and how Wakanda is sort of this isolated place that was not colonized, that was untouched and they were allowed to kind of achieve technology in their own way, in their own time. And they became so technologically advanced that they were, you know, far more advanced than anyone else in the world. But they still held these sort of long-lasting traditions along with the sort of future-looking kind of perspective. And there's something about Afrofuturism that I, I really admire a whole lot because instead of looking at the black experience or the immigrant experience for, for my sake, uh, from this lens of like, we are the victims instead, it's kind of going like, well, this is what we are capable of anyways. And so, mm -hmm. I think that Afrofuturism is a a kind of lens to uh, looking at black culture outside of colonization. And so what, mm. what would the sort of like in the same way that like we have like Plato and Socrates and we have like – uh, the founding fathers in American culture. And we have like all of these sort of almost like magical figures uh, in Western culture, but they don't really exist through African culture for whatever reason. And well, the reason is, is that uh, well, in the same way too with uh, native Americans and uh, uh, Latino is that like, we were, our cultures were destroyed before they reached this point in society. And so like, we don't have the sort of Aztec equivalent. We don't have the native American equivalent. We don't have the black equivalent of the founding fathers or the sort of Greek philosophers or whatever that might be. And so we kind of have to like make that for ourselves now. And so it, it does seem like, I don't know, the, the way that we're engaging in sort of conversation of like, 
everyone against white might not be to me might not be the way forward, but instead going like not necessarily against white, but just outside of. And so like, how can we be independent of colonization and what can we be from a different starting point? And yeah, of course it, it does. We do have to fight all of the systems that kind of oppress us anyways, but it does feel like maybe the culture has been fighting for so long that we haven't been able to even look at what the ideal might be. Because mm. even even the heroes of like the black movement still get assassinated. So, I mean, mm. like we can look and admire uh, Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther King was killed on a balcony somewhere by probably some white guy. Uh, and that's where that story ended. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. it was a big ass rant. <laughs> no, that's facts, man. That's facts. Um, you know, I remember in kindergarten, so my teacher who was like, this is crazy, like, right? Because uh, it's like 95, 96 mm. when I was in kindergarten, maybe 97, 97, 96. And um, I remember, I'll never forget. My teacher, who she was Caucasian, but she was also a lesbian. Um, and uh, it's a funny story on how I found out. But uh, but no judgment. She was cool for the most part. I don't know. If she was like super in tune with what teaching takes. You know the effort and the energy. But but she tried her best, and she said something really profound. She, she had some really powerful moments. And one of those moments, uh, Santiago, was when she said, you know. Dr. Martin Luther King was killed by someone who was afraid, someone who was who, who was experiencing fear for what he was trying to bring to the, for what he was bringing to the table, for his ideals and or everything he stood for. They were afraid of what was going to happen. And we um in, in elementary school, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It's a cartoon movie, um, and it's about what would have happened if um. If if Martin Luther King did not become who he became, if he, if anything had changed, and it starts off with this young African American man, young Caucasian man, they're both like 11, 10, maybe even as young as young as eight, and they're like best friends, and they're playing with each other. And I think something happens where, um, I, long story short, Martin Luther King in, ends up not becoming who he became like I think that show what would have happened if somebody went back in time and either he um got assassinated earlier in his life or if he just went in a whole different direction and then it, so then it's still the present day but then he's like oh yeah I want to go to Richie's house or whatever and they're like what why you want to go over there and, and then they show, everything is still segregated but they're all in the same neighborhood they just whites and blacks don't associate with each other and they're going around, they can't go to certain restaurants, they can't do certain things. And it's, he's like freaking out. He's like a young kid. He's like, what? What's going on? So then they realize, he realizes, I think he has to like go back in time and something really selfish he wanted, he had to give it up. But then they allow MLK to grow up and then do what he wanted to do. And I think he even, it's like he wishes MLK was his friend now or something. He's like, well, if I'm your friend now, 
I can't do what I was doing back in time. So I could go back in time to when I was uh, actually supposed to be. And it's a whole thing about different universes and time travel. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, yes, it's uh, it's, it's very powerful. Um, I'm, I'm, I, as you were talking, I searched Afrofuturism. And um, that is, I've never heard of that until you, you broke that down to me, man, Santiago. Uh, I'm going to definitely look into that. That is really interesting. Um, I, I do agree that it is really profound. What, what would um, not just African culture, but also um, a lot of cultures in countries that exist in Central and South America, even Mexico, um, you know, Latin, uh, Hispanic um, people, what would they have also accomplished? Meaning that if you look, even in Asia, pyramids were built in all three continents already before any colonizers came and, and did their thing there or before any 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 anything really tremendous had happened what would have gotten accomplished you know i think um while it's, it's unfortunate that we don't have any figures who came out of what may have been possible i do think it's cool that we have people like marcus garvey even mlk and and, and malcolm x um other figures who who, who came up in that system and just showed us how powerful we can be even in the face of a whole wall of oppression. You know, people like Madam C.J. Walker, if I'm talking about uh, Black culture specifically, um, you know, I could, I could say that because those are examples that I've kind of looked at um, too and, and, and heard about and studied about, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, George Washington Carver, you know, a lot of people who, in the face of a lot of adversity, they did do the best. Even if you look at black culture today, you might see this in other cultures too. But um, the food, like soul food, it's like we took what we took what was scraps, pig's feet, chitlins, which is like intestines from the pig, um, all these things that were nasty and made it delicious. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know from when the, I never had chitlins, and I might have had it once. It smells so crazy, I probably <laughs> won't uh, partake, you know. But, but you know, we, we, we took what we were given, and, and, and we took a lemon, lemons and made lemonade, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I am interested to see what the future holds. I think this election in America, present day, um, is going to have a, a lot of impact. You know, um, uh, there's a lot to be said there, too, I guess, like, I kind of, I know this ain't really going into spirituality much, but it's like, are we, I guess I, I would say it's the whole thing of, are we as people needing to be reliant on the outcome of an election, or do we need to just really, and not just as Black people, I mean, it's like Latin, it really is people of color, especially. Um, cause if we, if we, if you look at this, what I feel is the true history of the U S it wasn't designed for people of color to really thrive though. People come here of color and do thrive or people of color who were born here through all the tragedy and trauma do thrive. It wasn't intended that way. So I think, um, we got to kind of really, I, I think this is the time to maybe try to really look into Afrofuturism and, and try to practice that. You know, in, in I mean, in, in a way of like, okay, regardless of who the president is going to be, like, I I need to build up my own future. I can't rely on this system that was that essentially looks at black people is or really people of color. I feel like a lot of people is is just property. 
you know, even I'm, honestly, it's becoming where I feel like low key, a lot of Caucasian people are starting to become. It's just it's all about getting people into the prison system so that they can work for I feel like very low wages. That's essentially the new slavery. Low low key, you could. There's an argument to be made about okay, it's working a regular day job like gas station, McDonald's is that slavery too. But at the end of the day, you need money. They pay what's called a what's called a fair wage, and there's a whole other argument. But um, I think the whole game is to try to make it as easy as possible to get people into the penal system um, so that once they're in the system, they're in the system forever. Even if you do one little crime, you're always, every time a cop ever pulls you over, they're going to see, okay, you have this prior. It's something that's really small. It's a little misdemeanor, but, you know, it's nonviolent, but every time we pull you over just for like a taillight, we see that, you know, regardless of your skin color. And then uh, sometimes the skin color adds further, you know, perspective that may be biased, right? But I do think at the end of the day, they want everybody to kind of be slaves. When I say they, I mean, like, um, if you just look at the facts, like there's these big corporations that have prison labor happening and it's like, it, from a business perspective, it's like, okay, cool, because a corporation's sole purpose, regardless of belief or ethics, the dictionary definition of a corporation is an entity that makes as much profit for its shareholders as possible. That's literally all it's intended for. It was even, I, I could be Amazon, I could be Apple, and I could be like, I want everybody to be treated fairly, but at the end of the day, this entity is formed to make money, that's it. You know, there's no, uh, there's no feelings about that. That's just how it is, and so, from a business perspective of making money, prison labor is very profitable. Is it ethical? I don't think so at all. You know, unless you want to pay them fair wages, right? If you want to pay them what they're worth, it's like, you know, if a guy does carpentry in the real world, he probably makes really good money, decent money, you know, in, in most places. But in prison, he might, he's making like pennies uh, yeah, yeah. per hour, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I, I think that's like the whole, that's the whole big game right now, just really making sure um, for people who we know who might be on the verge of that, trying to keep them out. And then, you know, just understanding that I think we have to be really self-sufficient. Uh, I, I, if, if religion and spirituality can help you do that, that's all the better. And I do think even if you go religious, spiritual, or even scientific with the approach to like meditation and things that can kind of help you achieve that simplicity like that you talked about that Buddhism can do or other things, I think that can really help um, with that noise, um, psychological noise, et cetera. Uh, I think that can really help one kind of remain calm and, 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 and focused, you know, but even if you if, if it's not prison, it's always something, you know, it could be drugs, it could be, um, uh, love life it could be debt it could be it's a whole bunch of things you know there's, a, there's always so many obstacles and so it's like what's your advice what's your what's your, what is your, what is your boogeyman like it might not for for you know the young malcolm x it might have been the white devil you know for a christian who is super duper deep in the in the christian game who don't know a whole bunch it might be an invisible satan or something like that for you know for 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 Trump, it might be Joe Biden. <laughs> you know, for uh, who's your book for Joe Biden? It might be Trump. You know, uh, you know, for you know. So, I guess it's like, what's your boogeyman? Why why is this a boogeyman? You know, 
do you need to have a boogeyman? Are you your own boogeyman? And I could I could go deeper and deeper, but that's how I kind of look at all that. Yeah. And uh, I do like what you're saying about how, like, it may not, like, it's not really about necessarily color either because it's like as long as there's some cog in the machine to keep it going uh it doesn't really matter who it is it just so happened to have been that like these were the people enslaved a long time ago and so now kind of the momentum of like where we are now and it's like well if these are the people that we gotta feed into the machine then these are the ones that make it easier for us to feed into the machine and so like yeah there could be some sort of alternate history to where it it would have been the other way around. And so like, we, we don't know what that looks like, but no matter what, it's like, we're still kind of separating ourselves in a certain way that makes it easier for us to be manipulated in whatever way. And so I don't know while, while it is sort of tempting to kind of still look at the lines of like, well, I look this way, you look that way. And we're always going to be separate because of that. I think instead it might be better to like, well, what can we do to help each other as a whole rather than like try and keep this separate? I mean, way back in the day, whenever the Black Panthers first started, they weren't necessarily being like, oh, we only do things for black people. The Black Panthers actually started out being like, oh, well, we're noticing that like kids aren't eating and that makes it to where like they get worse grades in school. And so us as a community are going to provide uh, food for kids in our communities. And it didn't matter the like if they were black kids or whatever. But the Black Panthers were like, hey, we want to make sure that kids have food when they go to school. And so like the Black Panthers as a black organization – may have been like, yeah, we want black people to succeed. But at the same time, it was just like, we were just helping people succeed. Um, and then they were also providing like healthcare and stuff to the communities. Again, not necessarily to just black people, but just people that needed it. And it, it does seem that like every time that sort of people within the system try and like kind of break their way out of it by being like, well, you got your thing going over there. So we're just going to like be over here and make it work for us. It seems like whoever they is or the man or whatever, it, it keeps changing. Cause it's not really like people, but it's more so the machine. It's like the rules keep changing so that someone can keep being fed into the machine and so it's like mm. oh well you're gonna be over here helping your community and that's going to make it to where you don't need us well we're going to make sure that the black panthers are eliminated mm. i mean this this sort of thing happened a lot also in like south america and central america where like uh they were get the US was getting a whole bunch of its natural resources from South America and Central America. And so they did like uh political coups or they would bribe political officials, they would do assassinations and stuff in order to uh cause instability and then kind of create these sort of debt bubbles 
for those governments to kind of owe the U.S. and then like, cool, the U.S. now has control over it. Uh, I think I remember even hearing uh, today that like Panama was kind of created as a country uh, in order for it to have the canal be built so that trade can be kind of regulated by some sort of U.S. controlled thing. And so like stuff like that, that's like mm-hmm. really big and really like top down. Uh, it again, it doesn't necessarily matter who the people are. It just so happened that like the people of this area are going to be the victim of this because there's something there that the system wants. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what the way out is. And maybe it might just be like having conversations like this so that we can like first point it out and be like, hey, the enemy isn't like, you know, some some guy next door or like, I don't know, with like gangs or something where it's like, oh, well, like this guy in this gang was talking crap. So we're going to go shoot them. And it's like, well, I'm not the enemy here. We're not the enemy here. Like look you know a few streets over where like the giant houses are uh where these billionaires are those are your enemy or maybe they're not even the enemy they have their own enemy too kind of like what you were saying about like what's your boogeyman and so like i don't know we can kind of subvert the system more instead of by like separating but more so by uniting and so i don't know it as helpful as it might be to like try and focus on color, it it won't actually get us all the way there because there's still going to be some other division uh, that can be created within ourselves. And so it's like, yeah, if the black community has like the Christians and the nation of Islam, then that's going to create some division within. Um, since, I mean, wasn't Malcolm X assassinated by the nation of Islam anyways? So it's like even the people that we care about or the leaders in our own communities are sort of allowed to be targets and we're we're sort of destroying ourselves. And that's exactly what the system wants, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's very true, man. Um, I think too, I think Malcolm X, the whole, I, I might be a little off, but I think, um, there were four people who were indicted slash taken into custody and he got murdered. And then, so two of them had X's in their name, as you know, there's a, the whole thing where black folks um, replacing their name with X. Um, so two of them had X's in their name. And then two of them, I think were, I, I've heard, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I heard were planted by the FBI, et cetera. And that's a whole other thing. But anyway, because there's two who did not have X's in their name. They were just like regular, like Clarence and Joe or whatever. So it's like a whole controversy, too. I think um, people, I heard something about uh, folks wanted it to look like the NOI did it, when in reality, uh, it was two two of them like were talked to about it, and then they were like, nah, but they were still there. But anyway, yeah, it's it's real controversial, as as I'm sure you know. yeah, I think what you said too about about unity, unity is is, is essential. 
that's essential. I think uh, 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 without that, we can't get anywhere. Have you watched the movie The Social Dilemma? I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the problem right there. Is uh, it's uh, I mean, it, it does kind of come back to the the big corporations. Um, it's it's like the, this algorithm is just trying to move advertisements right and so however it has to do it and it's just by changing your behavior and making you believe x y and z they're able to make you um you know more susceptible to now buying this thing or at least watching the ad and engaging with it so it's, it's kind of scary but i think right now you know race right now relations are really much tied in with political relations and it's very much you know that as you know the uh the blue or red divide and uh yeah man i think until we can get through that and uh it's like if we can unite and i know the world and the power is i guess you could say the powers that be um i think a lot of a lot of people don't understand how powerful we are when we are united, when we as a people, all people of all colors, creeds, et cetera, come together, there's just so much positivity and, and growth that can come from that. And, you know, and, and while we're all fighting amongst ourselves, it's just like they can just keep on doing whatever while we're distracted. It's like, at the end of the day, uh, we're just really pushing their agenda forward by all this infighting and stuff. So. Just like, oh, crap. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, one sec. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, there it is. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the, like Zoom went away for a sec. So, so yeah, it, man. It oh me. no. <laughs> I think, like you said, these these conversations are important, and then you know, it's it's, it's kind of tough too, right? Because like for someone like myself and maybe even yourself, like the way to get more, it's like to make more money, you kind of, it makes me kind of shudder to think about it, but it's like, I kind of, I, I, I'm looking into how to advertise and advertise better on these social media platforms. And it's like, dang, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm no better than, I guess a corporation at a certain point. It's like, I kind of have to feed into that machine a little bit to get the benefit from it. And so it's like, do I got to become what I'm fighting against to for me to succeed? It's, 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 it's crazy, man. It's crazy. At a certain point, it's like trying to make money. You, be, you have to make some decisions. You know? It's like, if I get this check, do I feel... Mm-hmm. You know, do I sleep better at night? Ooh, the guy, I got to pick one. No, I'm kind of joking, but... I think that happened. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, that's definitely that's definitely a, a dilemma and that something that I've been thinking about too is like and we don't have to get into it now cuz uh, again I'm trying to be mindful of your time, but it's like is there a way for us to even like make it in the music business, make it in the entertainment business without having to give Facebook a whole bunch of money without having to give Google a whole bunch of money. And like right now, I don't know. And 
I'm not the one with those answers, but like, it's, it's tough. Cause like, yeah, we're, we're going to have to deal with like, I don't know. The world would be a better place if like, if Facebook and Instagram and Twitter just like shut down, <laughs> like it, it would be rough for some people, but it's like, yeah. at the same time, we, we just got to figure it out without those things. Um, but anyways, since we're talking crap about social media, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paris, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you and all the things that you're involved in? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I'm at, <coughs> sorry, um, uh, my Instagram is at Paris Life Music. Um, and then my YouTube is also Paris Life Music, Spaces and Street Words. Instagram, Paris Life Music, all one word. And man, kind of to that point, I just want to say, we have a song, me and my guy, Alex uh, Kajumalo, um, we did, he has two versions of it, but we just recorded a new one. It's called One Love is the Love. And we talked about unity in that song. And um, right now, what I did, I shopped it to a bunch of um, governors who are running for office. So we're going to see if any of them kind of respond back. Um, that uh, album, that whole album, including that song. Well, the old version of that song, the album, I guess it's technically a single, um, but all of that's in my Instagram, um, in my link tree. If you click on my bio, click on the link tree, and you'll see a bunch of stuff. Um, and that is one of the things that's going to be there. Um, I'm actually going to update that right now so that it's as easy to find as possible. But One Love is the Law. Um, we talk about that very thing because I'm thinking, you know, one thing we could do just like on, on the on this on the tangent, I guess, real quick is just um if we use these platforms to advertise stuff, but then we also make sure like if if I'm selling merch, I can have merch that says one love is the law, and then talk about unity in my music and stuff like that. Or I might have to like do, you know, be one of the cogs, I guess, so to speak, in the machine, but then use my influence for good instead of just, you know, rapping about, you know, big rims and, and throwing money in the nightclub <laughs> and stuff like that. So, All right, man. Well, once again, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm Santiago Ramones and you are Paris Life. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong, 